podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everybody, producer Al here. Time for another TSFP Presents Classic Teams re-release here on the Monday podcast feed. Uh, this time we turn our attention to Atletico Madrid and their double winners of the 1995-1996 season. Uh, if you enjoy this kind of thing, why not join us over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. Later this week, uh, patrons will be getting a brand new episode of a new TSFP Presents series in which we are looking at more super seasons from the history of Spanish football. So if you enjoy this, you might enjoy that. Hello, patrons. Welcome to another edition of TSFP Presents Classic Teams. On this week's episode, we're heading back to the mid-1990s to revisit Atletico Madrid's double-winning side from 1995-1996. They hadn't won the league uh, for 17 years, and they wouldn't win it for another 18 years. So this was a big, big moment in the history of Atletico Madrid. Uh, It's an interesting one, because obviously we're going to talk about the team, we're going to talk about um, the players... We could probably do a whole podcast about the owner as well. I, I think we might, but, <laughs> might uh, one day. But yes, uh, we're not, we're, we're, we, won't, we, won't, we won't spend too much time on Castles Hill. However, there it's is quite a, difficult not to. There is a lot to be said for Atletico's colourful owner. Yes. Criminal owner. Colourful, criminal. Yes. And um, well, now deceased. high levels yeah. of cholesterol. Yeah, you, yeah. Would, you would say larger than life, but he was yeah. also quite large in, yes. in life. Yes. So large in every sense. Yes, yes. yes. Um, yes. I mean, one of, the, one of the, I mean, genuinely, before we kind of get on to the, the footballer stuff, genuinely one of the standout moments of this season um, and one of the things that people best remember is Jesus Hill, the president of Atletico Madrid, punching the president of Compostela in the face at the league's offices and the TV cameras are following them up the stairs as people get in the way going Prezi, Prezi, leave it, Prezi and they're calling each other Hijo de puta, ladrón, chorizo, eres una mierda Te pego, ven aquí que te pego Tú y yo y ellos, no, solo nosotros it's, it's quite something. You don't get that these days, do you? You don't get that these days. I would quite like to see Florentino Perez and, and, and Jose Maria Bartomeu having a fight. Be like, come on, come on. <laughs> come on in, you and who's, you and who's army. It. It's not worth it. I mean, we can. Well, well, let's start off by talking about about Jesus Hill. Obviously, that's one one story of uh, of many that you could have uh, you could have recounted. Of course, he was the mayor of Marbella. Yes, uh, for a long time, which In- graced Atletico's shirts. Which graced Atletico's shirts, and there was uh, 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 lawyers. How do I describe this? A sleight of hand with yes. that their sponsorship. Also, he was mayor of Marbella, of course, in, in in charge of a political party called the Kill. Grupo Independiente Kill. Liberal, I think it was. <laughs> Kill, for short, yeah. He was... Um, I mean, look, we laugh at Gil, and, mm. and he was very funny in many ways, but in many other ways, he really wasn't funny at all. I no, mean, I mean, he was a borderline a gangster. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he was definitely... I mean, he was a convicted criminal. He went to prison. He had a TV show called uh, Las Noches de Talital, which was basically him in a jacuzzi with uh, lots of women in bikinis, and because, of course, he's in a jacuzzi and he's a great big gelatinous blob, um, and you, you're a TV show, so you've got to have a microphone. He had his microphone hanging from the, the, the kind of medallion around his neck. <laughs> with, with, yeah, I mean, it's, it really is a sight to behold. Uh, he celebrated the uh, triumph of Atletico Madrid by uh, riding his horse yes, through Neptuno. famous horse, Imperius. They, they had horse and carts, mm. and Imperius was one that of them. That beats an open top bus, doesn't it? A horse and cart. Yes. 100,000 people on the streets, horse and cart, 
got to say, look up the footage. If you go on YouTube, it's, it's you can find it. Mm. I mean, we're, we've been at Neptuno yes. back in 2014 for Atletico title celebrations, but yeah. it wasn't anything like these celebrations. If you if you look up the footage, it, yeah. it looks absolutely There were mad. no imperious white horses. I mean, his name was literally His imperious, name was imperious, yes. And apparently he used to uh, talk to him a lot and yes. ask his uh, advice on signings and firing managers yes, as well. Yes, yes, You can also see him in that footage wearing a quite extraordinary tracksuit, uh, unzipped almost to the waist, with, <laughs> with nothing underneath. Except I mean, the chain, except the medallion. A large, a large gold medallion, yeah. yeah. Like I said, there, there, there's a lot of stuff to be said about, about Jesus Gil. Mm. Obviously, he oversaw this um, successful period for, uh, for Atletico Madrid, which culminated in the, in the double. Obviously, he also oversaw a relegation a few what, years later. Well, the, the miracle, in a way, was that, that, that Radi Antic, the manager who came in and won the double, was there for three years, and this was going somewhere. I remember speaking to Ron Atkinson once, who was one of the many coaches that uh, Jesus Hill had, and Atkinson had been in charge, I think, for 47 days. And the way Atkinson put it, that probably qualifies me for a testimonial <laughs> at Atletico Madrid, because he was genuinely going through managers. I mean, there was one season when he had seven managers. In one season, I mean, we, you know, we thought that kind of Real Madrid and Barcelona at times were a bit bonkers, but that is going some. It's worth talking a bit about the context, isn't it? So Real Madrid and Barcelona had won the last eleven league titles between them, mm. as you say, Phil. Atleti hadn't won it in seventeen or eighteen years. But Since in that Luis time, they, they had in, what, been seventy-seven. They'd mm. been yeah. there or thereabouts. They'd finished second or third, I think, in seven of those of those previous eighteen years. So they'd been near the top, except the, the previous, previous season, yeah. in which they very nearly got relegated. Well, they were they were in risk of going down. I think it was the penultimate weekend of the season they, they had the risk of going down in the end I think they finished something like 14 yeah, it doesn't finished, look so bad it was only one point above it was relegation playoffs in those yes. days and they finished one point above the relegation very playoffs. confusing uh, for, for new Spanish speakers English people they were one point above, above Ascenso Mm. which sounds like promotion but it was actually the final place that you fight for to not go down but yeah the fact that that was the season before they went on to win the league is quite yeah. an extraordinary turnaround um, the other thing that was special about this particular season in Spanish football in general it's worth saying is that this was a league of 22 teams. And also a league of three points for a win. First time. Was first, it? Yes, the first time they went for three as points for a win. As soon as that, was yeah. it? As recent yeah. as that? Yeah. Oh, there we yeah. go. Yes, yeah. so anyway, yes, 22 teams. Because, of, right. because yeah. um, Sevilla and Celta had, had initially been uh, barred because of some sort of administrative, yep. unsurprisingly in Spanish football, some sort of administrative cock-up. They were then eventually had to be allowed back in, but there was no solution other than having two extra teams, which I think carried on for, for three seasons or something like that. I think it, I think it was two. Yeah, they tried to, they, I, I think they... Did they bring it down one? Two? No, they did bring it down two teams at a time. Yeah, mm. a mess anyway. A mess. Uh, the manager you mentioned, uh, Radomir Antic. Uh, I've got a bottle of wine somewhere at home that he gave me. Oviedo legend. Yeah, former yep. former Luton Town ace as well. He Ended is. his playing career at Luton Town. Those, for those yeah. who don't know, and th- those who know English football, there's a very famous bit of footage of David Pleat, yes. the manager of Luton, wearing a cream suit running, running across the, the pitch, pitch yes. like a kind of kangaroo in this hop and skip. Yeah, that's because they had survived on the final day. The goal had been scored by Radi Antic. I didn't know he was a Luton Town legend. As yeah. well, but obviously former manager of Real Oviedo, mm. the only man to have managed Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico yes. Madrid. Yeah. Um, it's funny because he was in Spain as a manager for 14 years, over a 14-year period. He managed six different clubs, and his only titles were this doblete. Yeah, and with Oviedo, he went down. Did he? Yeah. yeah. So it was his fault, was it? Well, I mean, he he signed Collymore. <laughs> Enough but so. then when Collymore left, he said signing Collymore was nothing to do with me. Oh, right. okay. So Fair there's enough. no doubt that this season was the pinnacle of his coaching career, his biggest achievement. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And I think if you hear, oh, there we go. If you hear people speak about him and speak about his style, apparently it was incredibly meticulous. Very, very meticulous. I mean, and, and stylistically, this was an Atletico team that was defensively quite strong. But you look at the, the numbers of goals they conceded; it's nowhere near as strong as the current Atletico is. Mm. Uh, a 
team that played a, a four four two, but it was a midfield diamond. So you you had you had one at the base of the of the team, and then one at the top. And I'll I'll actually tell you who it was at the moment. But the, the, you had Kiko playing up front with mm. Penev. Mm. You had Caminero on one side, Simeone on the other, and it was a, a, a Vizcaino. I think was the one that kind of un, underpinned. The they team. were also incredibly reliant on set pieces. If yes. you look at the percentage of their goals in the the league um, season, they scored seventy five goals, and just under half of them were scored from set pieces and you'd have yes. to put that 49% partly down yeah. to having brilliant um, deliverers of the ball like Pantage but also I guess the management comes into that because you've got to plan these set pieces and in fact teams. the goal that they that, that, that effectively wins in the league they actually win 2-0 on the final day against Albacete but the goal that, that makes it 1-0 and that, from that point yeah. they know there's no doubt is a Simeone goal from a Pantage yeah, set piece and it's a very much a classic uh, Atletico goal and it's a Simeone run to the near post very aggressively the ball swung inwards towards him and, and in it goes. Uh, they finished uh, top, four points ahead of Valencia, seven points ahead of Barcelona, and 17 points ahead of Real Madrid. And the previous yeah. season, they had finished <laughs> 20 points behind Real Madrid, who were champions the previous year. So what a turnaround that is. That's a, hold on, 37-point swing. There you yeah. go. On the, um, on the penultimate weekend of the season, Atletico Madrid could have won the league without playing. Mm. And this tells you something about the mindset, in particular of a certain... Diego El Cholo Simeone. Mm. But on the, final, on the penultimate weekend of the season, Valencia are playing Espanyol after Atletico have already played. And obviously, if, if Valencia don't win, Atletico are title winners. And um, Kiko tells a nice story, Kiko the striker tells a nice story about how they're all thinking, God, oh, come on, let, let Espanyol get, get the points off Valencia, let's be league title winners. And Simeone is telling everyone that he's desperate for Valencia to win. He doesn't want to win the league watching on TV, all the players at home on their own, the whole squad's separated. I mean, obviously they could have done a Leicester and stayed around Jamie Vardy's house and all watch it together kind of thing. But he says, no, I don't want to win the league like this. And all his team are saying, you're absolutely mad, aren't you? Because this is a time when, you know, this whole idea of El Pupas, the jinx one, mm. already exists. Mm. Right? So the others are saying, don't be mad. If it goes to the final day, you know, what if we blow it on the final day? And Simeone's saying, we have to win it. We have to win. We have to win it. We can't have it given to us. We have to win it. I want Valencia to win. They do win, so it goes to this final day against um, Albacete. Albacete. Yeah. Valencia actually equalise and a, a draw rather on the final day against Celta. I believe it is a one-one draw, and so in the end, you know, even even without winning, yeah, Atletico would have won the league. But there's there's a there's there's a nice moment where they're on the bus on the way to the stadium, mm. and Kiko is is supposed to be the one that kind of does the microphone just before they get to the stadium, talks to the players, and he sees the fans. He just puts the microphone down. Says, I don't want the responsibility of this. And Simeone basically says, "You see, this is why we had to wait. Who wants to win it on the TV when you can win it in front of these people?" Well, again, here? look up the footage. There's some really good reports on YouTube of that that game that day at the Calderon. Mm. And we've been at the Calderon for some for some games, but this looks like people oh, say it was the biggest party, the biggest day ever at the Vicente yeah, Calderon, and yeah, it, the atmosphere does look extraordinary. How much of a coincidence is it that the manager of the most successful Atletico Madrid in recent memory, i.e. Diego Simeone, was a part of this double winning side? Absolutely no coincidence no. whatsoever. Now, there's a whole load of elements of this, and we could obviously be here all day, but I think it's worth picking up on this, and it might actually be worth going for, going through the team as well. It I'll is, explain, yeah, we're going to do that. Explain yes, why in a minute. Yeah. But, but, so you have Simeone, who was kind of, if you like, the heartbeat of this team, who was the, the emotional power of this team. And, and, you know, this is a guy who joins Atletico Atletico Madrid at 24 and is already bossing people around, is already telling people what to do. And there's there's a story that on the day of the game against Albacete, they have a siesta. They're supposed to have a siesta. And Simeone walks around the hotel, hammering on the doors of every <laughs> single teammate, saying, no one is sleeping, no one is sleeping. This is all about the game. And he's completely bonkers. The the, the kind of the, the, the emotional power of Simeone is a key reason why they bring him back. Because, of course, they bring him back in 2011 at a time of crisis. Yeah. And Simeone comes back as much as anything else 
because of his symbolism and because of the kind of the, the charismatic authority that he has. Mm. And that comes from having been, um, you know, the key figure in the double winning team. You know what the first thing he did was when he came back? Changed the goal nets at the, at the Calderon. They were black. And he changed them to red and white as they'd been in the year of the double. There was a very clear sense of, right, we're going to recover some of the emotional, um, what would you call them, kind of badges of identity of that team to kind of bring it back to this. That we're going to, we're going to make that team what we are. And, of course, Atletico always knew that at some stage Simeone would come back. And when he came back, he, had, he was the only one who had the power to unite fans, board, players everyone around Atletico and that power comes largely not entirely but largely from the from the double winning team do you know how many yellow cards he got that season I'm guessing a hell of a lot <laughs> 18 that's pretty 18 good going, yellow cards. that's more than he scored goals he scored 12 goals which is yeah. actually not bad for have you ever seen Simeone. the footage of, of what he did to Julian Guerrero I mean, obviously, oh. we're going to laugh here, but we really shouldn't laugh because it's absolutely appalling. Okay, but but sounds great. Yeah, yeah, and I think I don't know if it was that season. I think it might have been the second, the following season. The following season was the year I lived in Oviedo, so I okay. saw the back end of this team. Yeah, yeah. I saw this team get knocked out of the Champions League, for example, against Ajax, oh, and yes. a really good side. But uh, so I think it was the following season. But there's a, the ball's going out of play at one end of Samames and Julian Guerrero, who at the time was a kind of the pretty boy, the the one everybody loved in Spain. Mm. You know, he was the superstar of Spanish football. Slides in to stop it. Simeone's running alongside him. Simeone stamps on his thigh. Simeone leaves a hole in Julian Guerrero's thigh, a stud-shaped hole in his thigh, and it literally oh, wow. starts to bleed. It looks like a gunshot wound. It oh, is something else. It really wow. is extraordinary. You get a yellow card. I, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I don't actually know, or maybe you'd assume he got red. I can't remember, actually, if he got uh, a card not. Diego Simeone was second top scorer that season for Atletico Madrid behind... Luboslav Penev. Yeah, Lubo Penev. Massive, big Bulgarian. A bit, a bit clumsy. <laughs> Which is quite a weird story, isn't it? Because he was only there for, for a single what, season. season. Yeah, yeah. He then moved on to Compostela. Yeah. He was their top scorer, as you say, with, with 16 goals. Yeah. And he's not he's not necessarily one of the, the most remembered names in this no. team. Do, 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 do you know the best, the best story about him that season? Well, I think it's the best story anyway, was in the cup game against Valencia, which I think... I think Atletico won 5-3 at Mestalla because they'd, they'd lost the home game and they won, and they went and won the away game and got through, I think, on away goals. That wasn't against Valencia that season. Well, that wasn't that season. Maybe no. it was the following season. Okay, but there's a cup game against Valencia and he goes oh, up. it was, it was, it was. It was sorry, sorry. semi-final. He, he, yeah. go, he goes up to the director's box, yeah. Penef. Penef had played at Valencia the season before yes. and punches Paco Roch, the president... <laughs> The president of Valencia, because they'd fallen out, the president of Valencia calls him a payaso, a clown, which sounds much worse in Spanish than in English, yeah. by the way. Um, partly because he'd been at Valencia and he'd effectively been forced out at the time when he was going undergoing treatment for t- testicular, testicular cancer. cancer yeah. And he felt that he'd been you know, poorly treated, which by the sounds that he clearly had. Anyway, she goes into Arx and punches the president of Valencia. At which point, Jesus Hill says, this is a disgrace because of the president of Valencia says, presidents are here to give a good example. Jesus Hill! The same Jesus Hill who's been at the league punching the president of Compostela. So maybe Penev was doing the punching round, so he starts with Valencia, goes to Atletico, then goes to Compostela. Wow. I mean, um, yeah, <laughs> it's quite a good story. Yeah, isn't it? Um, Penev had been at Valencia, as you said, for a few seasons. Mm. He scored a lot of goals. He actually, if you look at his scoring record, he's one of the most um, prolific scorers yeah. in the 90s. Mm. In and also that man. Valencia team, by the way, so he leaves Valencia. Yeah. That Valencia team that runs Atletico Madrid so close is led up front by a certain Pedro Mijatovic. 
Because they're, they're star signing. Yes. This is one of the reasons why Valencia and, and Real Madrid hate each other, mm. because Real Madrid were seen as having stolen Miatovic from them. Mm. Uh, Milinko Pantic as well in the, uh, in the, in the heart of midfield. Well, and, and the guy creating. So you, you get, as I said, you get midfield where Pantic is the sort of the top of the diamond. You've got Simeone to the left, Caminero to the right, Vizcaino behind. Here's a team, to give you an example of, of kind of like how much of a, with hindsight at least, how much of a football team this was. People who were to do with football. Right? So this is their start, standard 11, right? Molina in goal. Do you know the best story about Molina, obviously? Well, uh, one thing at a time. Give us the starting 11 and then give us the story. Okay. Yeah. So Molina in goal. Yeah. Jelly at right back. Santi and Lopez at centre back. Tony at left back. Caminero, Vizcaino, Simeone, Pantic in midfield. Penev and Kiko up front. Now, to explain why I say this, you know. I mean, what... you say that starting 11 and it's not sort of ringing out no, it's with, not. with, with stars, household names. Absolutely, yeah. but these are, these are kind of football people. It was a very stable 11, by the way, as well. There wasn't a huge amount of change. So, so Jelly, currently president of Girona. Molina, currently sporting director of the Spanish Federation. Santi, a coach with the Spanish um, youth teams. Um, Juanma Lopez, the centre-back, now the agent of Alvaro Morata, amongst others. Tony, the other full-back, of course, sporting director at Atletico Madrid and at Getafe. Caminero was working at Atletico Madrid. In fact, it's him that brings Simeone back. Vizcaino, assistant coach to Simeone. Simeone, obviously the current <laughs> coach. Pantic, coaching the youth system at Atletico Madrid. Kiko up front, the only one who's kind of broken the trend. TV, a guy on yeah. TV, and he's brilliant on TV, by the way. And Luba Penev, who even ended up being Bulgaria coach. So, you know, this is a team of people was who... Was that Valencia Mestalla as well? Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. most recently. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, Molina, Penev and Pantic had all come in this season. This, yes. this was yeah, their yeah, first yeah. season. Yeah. They were three of the most important players in, in winning the league. So, of course, Molina, the, the, the best story about Molina is that Molina, the goalkeeper of Atletico Madrid, um, gets his debut for the Spanish national team on the left wing. What? Go on. On the left wing. Why? What he happened? comes on for the last... 20 minutes or something. Javier Clemente sends him on on le- uh, left wing. <laughs> Any reason? Or just just to give him a go? See yeah. how he... yeah. No, are you yeah. serious? I promise you. Why yeah. did he do that? <laughs> did no one ask because him? it's Javier Clemente. Did no one ask him, why did he do Molina that? Molina got his debut on the left wing. Wow. That's hilarious. Um, up front, as you mentioned, was uh, was Kiko Narvaez, who is a, uh, um, a, a, a well, I, I like him, a very good uh, radio yeah, commentator now. You know what I like about him? Yes, and this I mean he's gonna, very charismatic. This is going to this yeah. is going to sound horribly dismissive, right? Yeah. But this one of the things I like about him is that unlike so many people on Spanish TV, mm. he's on TV because he's funny, and he actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. And, do and he's do trying, not think. I mean, he's trying to be as well. Yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of people are really. It's really kind of forced with him. It feels much more. Yes, no, but he's quite natural. He's got quite an easy broadcasting style as well. Uh, He is probably the biggest name, apart from Sinioni, in that team. Well, also the fact that he was there, what, for eight years, I think. So not like some of these other players who came and went. He was there for a long time. He is a proper Atletico legend. Also, and obviously this is a podcast, so you can't see what I'm doing, he's the one that does the Arquero celebration, which, of course, became Fernando Torres' trademark because Torres was a massive Kiko fan. Ah, I didn't know that. You see, you learn something listening to these these, uh, classic team podcasts. I mean... Over the course of this series, we've spoken about some really good teams. Mm. How good was this team? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, right, so I thought they were... Re- when, when I saw them and um, watched them a lot, obviously in 96, 97, mm. the year I lived in Oviedo, I thought they were a very, very good team, but they they were clearly not as good as either Madrid or Barcelona that season. Mm. In fact, Madrid for a lot of the season weren't that good, but it was a Capello team, so as usual, it was kind of a slow burn, and by the end, they seemed to be kind of unstoppable without ever being fantastic to watch Barcelona were wonderful to watch partly because they had Brazilian Ronaldo this Atletico team that the, the forward line was lovely 
So a forward line that had Kiko and Caminero was was you know you sort of watch them and think wow this is this is a team this is worth watching. And Kiko was a lovely footballer, very mm. tall, very strong, very powerful, but actually a player of touch and technique. Mm. Mm. And Caminero very famously did that turn on Miguel Angel Nadal. And if there is a kind of a remember a few weeks ago we talked about the collar de vaca that Romario did. Oh yeah. Well, that season, if it had a moment like that, is this Caminero turn. So Caminero has got Nadal behind him in a game against Barcelona, and he turns back one way, but without the ball. So he turns one way, and Nadal goes with him. And then he spins and goes back to the ball. He's like, aha, the ball's over here, mate. And he, and he runs into the air and pulls it back. And I can't remember who it is that scores. It's probably Penev, but I'm, I'm not sure. Anyway, that piece of skill, I think, you know, look up Caminero and Nadal on YouTube, and it's, it's, it's a great piece of skill. And that piece of skill is in an Almodovar film. Oh, is it? It's in uh, live flesh. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, how about that? Talking about uh, Barcelona, should yes. we talk about the, the Copa del Rey final? We've yes. talked about the league and winning the league. Let's talk about the other half of the of the double, a final that was played in Zaragoza mm. at La Romareda. So it was special for Antic, who had been in Zaragoza yep. as, a, as a player before. And it was a let's go against Barca. And it's a game that went to extra time. It was 1-1-0 in extra time. Uh, Pantic, I think, header, scored the goal. Header in the 102nd minute. And again, talk about how good was this team. You look at that Barcelona team. I mean, there are some names in there. You've got Luis Figo in there. You've got Hadji in there. Um, you talk about Nadal at the back. Pep Guardiola's there in the in the midfield. Yeah, you'd have had. Uh, who else would you have had? Popescu was there as well. Popescu, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a it's a it's a hell of a team. Luis Enrique would have been. No, Luis Enrique would have come the following season. I think. I think so. Uh, it's a, it's it's a, it's a hell of it's a hell of a team. And and the, you know this was say this was an Atletico side that let's say based on counter attack. And I think that's one of the reasons why it feels so special is that it always felt like an overachievement. It almost felt, always felt like a bit of a one-off. And of course, with time, it becomes that. Because mm. as you say, it's not since 77 that they won the league. They don't win it again until Simeone comes back. So you've got that bridging figure. And this actually brings us a little bit to the idea of the symbolism almost of Johan Cruyff at Barcelona. So Cruyff wins the league for the first time in 14 years as a Barcelona player, comes back as a manager. All right, Terry Venables has won the league in the meantime, but wins the European Cup for the first time. So this is part of the Simeone thing. Mm. It's that he is both things he straddles the two only successful eras that Atletico have had basically since the end of the 70s so for Atleti fans is this clearly their best ever yes. season the pinnacle of the of everything the club's done yeah, in weird. History, this is I, the I think in terms of achievement I think most Atletico fans no. will say ask coldly 2014, 2014. Yes, yes exactly ask coldly yes. but I think if you ask Atletico fans about the emotional yes. sense of you know what is Atleti's great season I think most people will go for 96 <sighs> I guess so, yes. I mean, emotionally, yes. Yeah. But reaching but the coldly, Champions no, no. League final coldly, winning La Liga, coldly, beating Real Madrid and Barcelona. Coldly, coldly mm. without any doubt, it's 2014. Yes. You know, this was an era in which another team winning the league, even though it had been Madrid and Atletico for so uh, sorry, Madrid and Barcelona for so long, another winning league team winning the league didn't seem totally well, implausible. Like inconceivable. Look, yeah. I mean, as you said, I mean, look at look at the teams that were around them, and I don't know, I did write it down somewhere, but you know, the teams around them was it's Valencia, Real Madrid are down in sixth or something. Uh, I think you've got Tenerife quite high up. You know, it's it's. Hmm. It's plausible, whereas in 2014 it wasn't. Yeah, it was incredible. Right, really, really quite something else. The best bit about this, I mean, to put this into, into context, I did write this down somewhere. Here we go. At the start of the season, Juan Malopez, who, as I said, became an agent, maybe always had this agent kind of quality about him, he goes to the club and goes to see Miguel Ángel Gil Marín, the, the son of Jesus Hill, to arrange, to organise the, um, the bonuses for the end of the season. And he asked for a 500 million peseta bonus across the squad, um, if they win the league, to which Miguel Angel Marin laughs at him and calls him an iluso. <laughs> what would that be called? Kind of an airhead, a kind yeah. of, you know, over-optimistic, yeah, yeah. naive, you know. And, uh, and it turned out he was... But did he get the, did he get the deal? I don't know if he actually mm. got the deal. I, I genuinely don't know the answer to that, if he actually got the deal or not. I'm assuming he 
probably must have did. got something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in the end, obviously, you get that massive celebration. You get everything that it means, and it was it was it was well worth. I'm it. sure Hezus Hill looked after them. Yes, um, I'm sure he didn't tell the tax man about how he looked after them. Uh, listen, we're going to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us for another edition of uh, Classic Teams. Hope you've enjoyed our uh, delve back into the archive to look at that double winning side from Atletico Madrid. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with a look at another Classic Team. See you later. Cheerio. Bye. Podcast Network.